You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast at savage.love. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, Small town land use conflicts, property tax abatements, commercial zoning, public testimony. These aren't things we talk about on the Lovecast very often or like ever, but we're going to talk about them today. Our story today takes us to Noblesville, Indiana, where Ryan Polakoff owns a woodworking business in Noblesville called Woodturnings with a Z, Woodturnings. Late last year, Ryan closed a big deal with city officials and another local business, Texan Towel and Supply, that would have meant both businesses, successful local small town businesses, both would build new headquarters in Noblesville, creating a bunch of temporary jobs for construction workers and keeping the jobs these men have already created in town and adding more as these businesses expanded in Noblesville. Polakoff was prepared to spend $5 million dollars on a new building, Texantal was prepared to spend $5.5 million, and both businesses pay above Indiana's median wage. To keep these job creators in town, the city offered property tax abatements, corporate subsidies, that amounted to $1 million per business over the next eight years. Doesn't sound like much in the days of trillion-dollar federal spending bills, but that's a lot of money in Noblesville, Indiana. And Ryan Polakoff says he couldn't expand the business without that tax break. It just didn't pencil out without that tax break. Why do I know anything about this? Why am I pouring over news reports in the Indy Star about a woodworking shop in Indiana? And why am I telling you about it on my sex podcast? Diapers. Adult-sized diapers and adult-sized bibs and adult-sized onesies and adult-sized pacifiers. Turns out wood turnings isn't Ryan Polakoff's only business. Like a lot of small businessmen, like a lot of those job-creating entrepreneurs in tiny towns and flyover country that Republicans like the mayor of Noblesville, the Honorable Chris Jensen, are always extolling, Ryan owns and operates more than one business. Here's John Tuohy reporting for the Indy Star. When the city discovered that Ryan Polakoff also owned My Inner Baby, a store that sells adult diapers and other adult-sized baby clothes, it moved to nix the wood turnings deal because it doesn't meet the morals of the city. The city is now trying to shut the baby store down, claiming it is a sex shop. Polakoff is challenging that designation, and a hearing is scheduled. Now, City officials initially told the Indy Star that they didn't try to scuttle the wood turnings deal because Polakoff refused to shut down my inner baby. But Ryan Polakoff has emails from city officials telling him to shut down my inner baby if he wanted the tax break to go through. Ryan came with the receipts, which means those deeply moral city officials in Noblesville lied their faces off to a reporter. Now, Tui at the Indy Star is too polite to say so, but I'm not Tui and I'm not the Indy Star and I'm not polite, so I will say it. Noblesville city officials, liar, liar, diaper on fire. You got to admire Ryan Polakoff. Not only did he and his fiancee, Sabine Kissy, who is co-owner of My Inner Baby, not only did they refuse to close My Inner Baby after the city threatened to yank the tax deal for wood turnings, they also posed for a photograph behind the counter at My Inner Baby that ran in the Indy Star. 
Ryan and Sabine refused to be shamed or intimidated. They didn't wet the bed when the city came for them. They pulled up their crinkly big boy and big girl pants, lawyered up, and fought back. Polakoff and Kissy and city officials all appeared before the Noblesville Zoning Board of Appeals a couple weeks ago. They argued, city officials did, that my inner baby is a sex toy shop and as such, my inner baby can't legally operate in the part of the city where it's been located since its opening. The city granted that my inner baby's marketing materials were discreet, the word sex appears nowhere in them, and it doesn't look like a sex shop from the outside, But the city asked the zoning board to reject the shop's argument, somewhat disingenuous argument, that it's a medical supply outfit that sells incontinence items. A medical supply shop selling adult-sized onesies? Yeah, I'm not buying that. The city also wasn't buying that. Quoting again from Ryan Tui's coverage in the Indy Star, no medical condition requires an adult to wear a onesie or suck on a pacifier, the city argued before the zoning board. You are allowed to use your common sense here. The zoning commission also took testimony from community members, which went about as well for my inner baby as you might expect it would. Janet Ditzlier, a local therapist, argued that adult diaper lovers were part of a, quote, dark underworld with ties to the BDSM community. Ooh, very scary. And she also argued that she works with victims of sexual assault whose safety was being threatened by these adult diaper lovers picking up supplies nearby. Now, you can buy diapers for adults at the Walmart in Noblesville and at the Sam's Club in Noblesville and the Costco and the Walgreens. You can also order them on the internet, which, unlike Jesus, is everywhere, including in Janet Ditzlier's office. I guess the distinction being made here is that people who buy adult diapers at Walmart or people who buy them online in the waiting room of Janet Ditzlier's office, those people are sad about buying and wearing adult diapers. It's people wearing adult diapers for the thrills, not the spills, that seem to bother her. There was a lot of ignorant fear-mongering at this hearing, a lot of please won't someone think of the children. Now, there are definitely people out there in Noblesville and everywhere else who are a threat to children. They're typically not members of the ABDL community, that's adult baby diaper lover community. They're usually members of the clergy, Right now, the Mormon Church, the Southern Baptist Convention, and the Catholic Church, all three currently embroiled in child sex abuse scandals and cover-ups going back decades involving hundreds of thousands of child victims. There are 56 Christian churches in Noblesville, according to churchfinder.com, but just one little adult diaper specialty shop shuts the city down somehow. And for the record, Someone who wants to buy a diaper isn't attracted to babies. They don't want a baby in a sexual way. They want to be a baby or be treated like one temporarily. To find the people your babies aren't safe around, I would refer you back to churchfinder.com. It also bears mentioning that My Inner Baby is not on Noblesville's picturesque Main Street between the malt shop and the five and dime. It's on a busy road next to a state highway and faces away from both the road and the highway. If you want to find My Inner Baby's retail location, you kind of have to know about it. There's also not a lot of foot traffic along state highways, so I'm not sure how many walk-ins My Inner Baby saw on a typical day. I'm guessing none. So I don't really know how valuable a brick-and-mortar location is to a business like My Inner Baby, 
But unlike the Republicans who run Noblesville, I'm not going to tell job creators like Ryan and Sabine how to run their business. Also, Noblesville, Indiana has a population of just 65,000. There are no stats out there on the percentage of adults into adult baby diaper lover play. The U.S. Census only started asking about sexual orientation a couple of years ago. It's going to be centuries before they get around to asking about niche sexual interests like ABDL. But I can't imagine there are more of a handful of ABDL players in the greater Noblesville area. Or, you know, I've actually never been to Noblesville. For all I know, Noblesville is the fire island of the ABDL community. Diapers aren't my thing. I don't know where the diaper lovers party. Maybe it's Noblesville. Sadly, predictably, Ryan and Sabine lost. They were ordered to close by the Zoning Commission, and then the city threatened to fine my inner baby $7,500 a day if they didn't shut down immediately, which they did. But Ryan and Sabine are fighting back. They filed an appeal. They're not giving up. Adult babies out there listening who can hear the sound of my voice, you can show your support for Ryan and Sabine by buying your next box of adult diapers at their online shop, myinnerbaby.com, or by making a donation to their GoFundMe, which is also linked at myinnerbaby.com. And Noblesville city leaders, if you're really worried about people buying things that aren't technically sex toys in stores, that aren't technically sex shops, and then using those things as sex toys, you're going to want to close the hardware store. There are probably a lot more people into BDSM in Noblesville than there are people into diapers. And they're not shopping at My Inner Baby. They're shopping at Home Depot. Okay, a quick shout out before we begin to gay men in Singapore, the island nation once colonized by the British who imposed a law criminalizing sex between men more than a century ago. Singapore's authoritarian light government announced this week that it would be legalizing private sexual conduct between gay men later this year. This would be 15 years after authorities in Singapore decriminalized oral sex and anal sex for everyone but gay men. Which means since 2007, it's been legal for lesbians to give blowjobs in Singapore, but not gay men. That wrong has finally been righted. In all seriousness, just as laws against gay sex were rarely enforced in the United States before being declared unconstitutional, laws against gay sex in Singapore in recent decades rarely enforced, but their existence created fear and stoked prejudice. Congrats to the activists in Singapore who worked so hard to make this day come. Anybody out there who wants to read more about the queer rights movement in Singapore, just Google Singapore and the pink dot movement. All right, coming up on the micro, Savage Lovecast, tons of your cues, lots of my A's, and on the magnum, historian and medievalist Dr. Eleanor Janaga joins me to talk about kink. Yes, it existed in the Middle Ages, and not because it was being spread around in illuminated manuscripts, although some of those could get pretty dirty. Kink, it's not porn's fault, or the internet's fault, or my fault, or my inner baby's fault. Kink has always been with us because people have always been kinky. My convo with Dr. Janaga is on the Magnum Savage Lovecast. And finally, why would someone who talks like your boyfriend, walks like your boyfriend, fucks your ass like your boyfriend, insist he is not your boyfriend? That's in this week's Savage Love, the column, which is up now at savage.love slash savage love. All right, let's get to the show. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Dipsy. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. Get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash savage. 
Hey Dan, Bi Female here. I've been with my husband for five years and he recently came out to me as Bi Curious, which I'm super happy about. We're monogamous, but we always said we would have another lady in the bedroom if the opportunity rose. Same thing with another man now. I have a problem though. He does not really feel like he finds men attractive. He doesn't have any celebrity crushes he could point to or any types that he thinks that he likes. He said that maybe he would like to fuck a twink, but he also said that even saying that out loud is really weird. And I could tell he was really uncomfortable and confused. It's not so much the label, it's more the feelings he's having, I think. I personally don't think he's that straight guy that you talk about that wants to suck a dick every once in a while, though I do not doubt that they exist. I think he's dealing with quite a bit of internalized homophobia. See, he's almost 35, and this is the first time he ever said anything about even being into dudes. I know that he did have one sexual experience when he was a teen with another guy that he really liked, and he'll go on Grinder from time to time and masturbate with other dudes. I also know that his late father was extremely homophobic and basically gave him no other option but to be a straight man. His dad, I never had the chance to meet, but I do know that his entire life was about pleasing his father up until his dad's death. So I do think there is some internalized homophobia there, and I would really like to help him work this out while we wait for a monkeypox vaccine to hook up with another dude. I would just love to help him explore this. We do use a strap-on, and he sucks my dick. So I know it's not just the sensation that he's looking for. I know that he wants to be fucked by a dick that's attached to another dude. I just love him so much. I'm so proud of him for even saying anything to me. And I really want this to be a great experience for everyone involved, including the third. You don't actually have a problem here. You say, I have a problem. You don't have a problem. And you're not currently doing anything wrong, but you might have a problem soon. And it sounds like you're tiptoeing up to doing something very wrong in this circumstance, which is hurrying your husband. You say you want to help him, but it sounds like you want to hurry him. You're doing everything right so far. You obviously have the kind of relationship where he felt safe and secure sharing this with you, coming out to you as by curious. Now it sounds like you're in a little bit too much of a rush to get him to a place of not by curious, but by experienced. You're wearing a strap on. He's sucking your dick. He's talking about men. He's saying sometimes weird things that do point to this being unresolved, perhaps some internalized homophobia, maybe tied to his relationship with his father, where he tells you that he's by curious, wants to have sex with men, maybe wants to fuck a twink, but isn't actually attracted to men that's going on grinder and masturbating guys. He's something about male sexual energy attracts him. It could be true that he's attracted to male sexual energy, to man-on-man sex, but not that attracted to men, more attracted to women. And that may be something that he needs to think through before you surprise him with your first special guest star. So I would encourage you just to slow your roll here. Let him 
set the pace. He's already dipping his toe in. He's experimenting with men on the internet. He's masturbating with men that he's meeting on Grindr from afar. I assume they're getting on some sort of Zoom app or something and, and you know, or FaceTiming together and he's jacking off with guys and he's telling you about it. Great, great. Make sure that he knows that when he's ready to have an IRL experience, when he wants someone else to be there, you want to be there too. And you want to be as supportive as you possibly can be and facilitate that and make that happen. And one good way to do that, to make him feel safe and comfortable with you is to tell him that it would be possible to have a three-way with another guy and for him not to be expected to do anything with that other guy. That the first big, big baby step, I guess that's a jumbo shrimp, big baby step. But the first baby step that you could take is a MMF three-way where the M and the M don't actually fuck around. Maybe you find a bi guy. So if your husband is comfortable with some incidental MM contact, the other guy would be comfortable with that incidental MM contact too. But you don't want your husband to think that you're hoping or really invested in that first experience and seeing him bang a twink, create a safe space for him to, you know, live with the contradictions and even articulate the contradictions, the contradictory things he might be feeling right now, wants to sleep with a man, but isn't attracted to men. He's working through that and don't rush him and let him know that when it's time, when he's ready to have an, MMIRL experience, MMFIRL experience, you're not going to rush him then either. And if all he wants to do the first time you have a threesome with another guy is have sloppy seconds or tag team you or DP you and really not touch the other guy, you will be fine with that too. You want to move at his pace. And you're his wife and you're a sex partner. You're not his therapist. It's not your job to help him resolve issues about his dad. And you might want to resist the urge to psychoanalyze him at this moment. Don't make who he is or what he wants and where his desires are headed a problem. It isn't a problem. It's not a problem right now. It's a process and he's working through it. Hey, Dan, Nancy, and the tech savvy at rescue. I have a quick question in regards to writing. So I'm a late 20s female living on the East Coast, and my partner and I are currently engaged, and he is very turned on by the idea of me being on top and writing him. I admittedly have never done this in the past relationships I have had, and when he asked me originally, I was like, sure, yeah, let's try that. I've noticed that when I do do that, it does bring up a lot of my old like body image issues and insecurities as well. I have a history of dealing with body dysmorphia, and I'm also on the plusser end as well, too. But that doesn't bother my partner at all. He is very much turned on by me and has always never deviated from saying that he's turned on, he's attracted, he is very into me. It's more so me talking myself down, if anything. And I was wondering if there was any advice you could offer or a way that I can kind of reconcile me being able to be on top, but also kind of 
making it as comfortable as possible, I guess, as entry level as possible. So the issue with you being on top is about you being seen by your partner, I guess, at a different angle. When you're not on top, when you're in the missionary position or in some other position, he can still see you, right? So it's about being seen by a different angle. If it's a self-consciousness about body size, maybe you are concerned that you're, you know, when he's on top of you, your body isn't weighing, you know, the full weight of your body isn't coming down on him and that's going to be different if you're on top, if you're in cowgirl. And so what do you do? Well, I think if it's about being seen, the first few times to, to acclimate yourself, to feel good and positive about being on top, the first few times you're on top, don't let him look. Get a blindfold, tie a bandana around his eyes. Let him have the full sensory experience of you being on top. And you have that experience of being on top and not having to be self-conscious about being seen. and enjoy it a few dozen times before you decide if, when he gets to take the blindfold off, you can take sometimes when it comes to sex, you can take something that you're self-conscious or insecure about, and you can turn it into something sexy and playful. It's, you know, not a lie, right? You're being sexy and playful about addressing your insecurity. I think you have to be honest about the fact that you are, using a, a blindfold in a sexy and playful way because you have this insecure feeling and you want to be able to work through and past it and enjoy cowgirl a few times without having to, you know, look at him looking at you. If it's about weight, if you're concerned that, you know, he knows how big you are, he knows how heavy you are. When you guys roll around, I assume that he's you know, working with your body. So that's not going to be a new thing for him either. But if you can get out of bed, you know, if there's something in your house where you can, that you can hold on to and lower yourself on to him. So you have some way of bracing yourself as you ride him. And then it's another way of just kind of addressing your insecurity. I'm not saying, you know, build a bondage rack or something in your house that you can, uh, you know, hold on to and lower yourself onto him. But, you know, if you had something like that in your house, you could definitely use that. You know, when you feel awkward or insecure about something sexually that your partner wants to do, ignoring how you're actually feeling about it to please your partner can make those feelings worse. And you're masking those, you're covering those feelings up and your partner then might end up doing something in the moment that makes you feel even more insecure, that, that makes you fall out, that causes you to have a meltdown. And your partner wasn't aware that they needed to be sensitive in a particular way that you might've needed them to be sensitive because you didn't share what you were feeling insecure or self-conscious about with your partner so that they could be considerate of your insecurities in the moment. So share your insecurities and toss out some fun and sexy ways not to cover up, not to mask, not to power through or pretend you don't have those insecurities, but some fun and sexy ways that would allow you to give your partner this experience that they want to have in a way that 
accommodates your insecurity, where he can demonstrate his sensitivity. And also you can insert, insert, pardon me, I meant assert, but insert also, you can assert some control. So if it's about being seen, don't let him see you. You get to decide when he gets to see you in that position. If it's about the full weight of you, him having to support your full weight, find something in your house that allows you to have more control over how much of your weight, and he loves you, loves your size, loves your, you know, the object that is your body, your mass, but a way that allows you to have some control again over how much of your full weight or whether your full weight is coming down on him those first few times. Anyway, it sounds like you have a really wonderful, considerate, sensitive partner, and I bet he'd be game. I bet he'd be up for these, I don't want to call them conditions, let's call them playful, sexy hacks. Hey everybody, this is Nancy, and I am working all of the time. That's totally a lie. Sometimes I take a little break and listen to a Dipsy story. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. For those of us who are looking for a way to get turned on by sexy, ethical content, Dipsy is totally the way to go. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and characters, no matter what you're into or what turns you on. They have stories for straight and queer folks and a diverse variety of voices. And the voices, oh my God, the voice actors are amazing. They could read the ingredients on a granola bar and it would make you want to get down to something. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy also has sleep stories, wellness sessions, and now they also offer written stories. They seem pretty committed to giving us what we want. It's your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, or heat things up with a partner. For listeners of the Lovecast, that's you. Dipsy's offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash savage. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash savage. Dipsystories.com slash savage. Hi, Dan. 30-year-old lesbian here from the Midwest. So I started to get back into dating kind of two years after a hard divorce. Um, my ex-wife and I have a two-year-old together, and I have full physical and legal custody. And so in this new dating world, I'm trying to navigate all of that. And so I've met this girl that I really have enjoyed my time with. We've been dating for a couple months, and things are going really well. And there's come up something that I don't really have a problem with personally, but I worry about with one, having a, a child, and two, being a, an educator. So the girl I'm dating, she is in the BDSM scene, and she says it's not for sexual reasons, but I believe that. She does, like, self-suspension, but then she also does some, and I, I don't know the correct terminology, but does some, like, play where she, like, physical stuff, so like getting her ass slapped and things like that. So I guess my concern from a couple points is, one, just having a child and having an ex that I don't want to lose any custody to, so if something came up from that, you know, I just don't know, like, if my ex could use it against me in any way. And then from just the being an educator and just being especially in a place where, for no good reason, this would be looked at as a negative thing, 
you know, if something came out or pictures showed up online or things like that, that even though she's pretty safe about what she does and trying to, you know, protect herself, if something came out, how that could affect me and my future job. So I'm just trying to figure out if these are rational or irrational fears. I've had a lot of postpartum anxiety, so I'm trying to separate my unrealistic anxieties over these versus real. And I just don't have enough background to really understand or know what I should be worried about or not worried about. I wish I could say that your fears were entirely irrational, but your fears as a parent of what sounds like a very young child, perfectly reasonable fears. People have lost custody of their children in courtroom battles and custody disputes because one ex-partner or ex-spouse weaponized their ex's current sexual relationship or sexual interests. Sometimes it was about kink. Sometimes it was about poly and convinced a judge, a bigoted judge to award them sole custody at times. I haven't heard of a case like that in a while, but in our current political climate with the furor about grooming and the increased political attacks on people with minority sexual interests, I don't want to say I wouldn't risk it. I would definitely continue to see the person that you're seeing. I would just be extremely cautious. And that goes double as an educator. I'm sure you've heard of libs of TikTok and mostly what libs of TikTok does on Twitter is post things that teachers have posted to TikTok themselves, repost them and attract the attention of right-wing assholes to some teacher who sometimes says something stupid, sometimes steps on a rake, but often is trying to do right by their queer students and is dragged and attacked. And in the current cultural climate where teachers are really being singled out and persecuted, especially in places like Texas and Florida, states that now have teacher shortages. How the, how'd that happen? Somebody figure that out. You make teaching impossible. You make school shootings impossible to prevent. And then you wonder why people don't want to go into this profession. So yeah, I would, as a teacher and a new parent, I would, you know, seeing as you're a teacher and a new parent, I would encourage you to encourage the person that you're seeing to keep it off the fucking internet. And for you not to make the mistake that some teachers have made who've landed on libs of TikTok and post something to the internet yourself about your relationship. It doesn't sound like you would be foolish enough to do that. And good, that would be an extremely foolish thing for you to do. And it would definitely be a easily avoidable mistake. And so avoid it, avoid it, but you're going to have to talk with your new partner, talk with your girlfriend about her sexual interests and practices. And you're going to have to make sure she's sensitive to the position that you're in as a new parent who has full custody, but still your ex probably has some visitation rights and as an educator in this political climate, yeah, yeah, you're going to need her to be discreet if she wants to be in a relationship with you or she wants you to feel like you can be in a relationship with her without being freaked out and anxious all the time. Hey, Dan, late 40s, East Coast, cishet woman. 
My quick question is about dating when you're kinky. I specifically play primarily as a sub and love impact play and rope and stuff that leaves marks. I really, you know, I, I enjoy those for their own sake, especially when I have, you know, strong feelings about someone. But uh, for the last couple of years, you know, I haven't had a primary partner and I've been um, ethically, you know, dating a few different people. And I found that my showing up, while a guy might be theoretically fine with me playing with other people, you know, showing up with somebody else's marks can kind of create tension or, you know, anger. And I don't want like any of that wrapped up in, you know, kinky play because then I don't feel safe. So how, how do I date ethically, non-monogamously, but still enjoy marks? Here's how you date non-monogamously, ethically in your situation and still get to enjoy your marks and not feel self-conscious or worried about the reaction you're going to get from some other partner when you come in with marks. You tell the guys that you're dating, I am a player, I'm a sub, I sometimes have rope marks, sometimes have, I don't know, bruises from being spanked. And if you have a problem with that, we can't fuck around. I'm not going to sub for you or I'm not going to vanilla for you if some of these guys are vanilla partners. This is just a non-negotiable. I enjoy this kind of play. I'm not monogamous. I have multiple partners who are doms. And yeah, you're disqualified if you have an issue with this. If this bothers you, particularly if it's going to make, you know, particularly if it makes a guy angry, to see a mark on your body that you got from another man in a sexually consensual situation and you have to deal with, process, negotiate his anger. Yeah, no, you don't see that guy again. And you tell every guy that you're going to see in advance that if they're going to fuck with you, if they're going to fuck around with you, if they want to fuck around with you, they can't have a problem with this and you won't tolerate them having a problem with this. You won't tolerate them having bullshit insecurity issues about it. And yeah, you're not going to tolerate their anger, not for one fucking second. And talk about, you know, we talk about sorting hats. Maybe we shouldn't anymore because J.K. Rowling, but sorting hats, been a metaphor around here for a very long time. Talk about sorting hats. These are sorting bruises. You almost want to show up with a mark when you're with a new guy who knows that you see other dudes that you sub for other dudes. And if he has a problem with it, yeah, he's out. He's disqualified. Show him the door. He has been sorting bruised out of your life. Hi, Dan. I'm calling with a conundrum, which is I feel infatuated with my partner's sister. For context, my partner and I have been together for almost eight years and we've been polyamorous for about three I say that because we are experienced in talking about attraction, dates, and sex with others. The problem here is not that I'm attracted to someone, but that that someone is her sister. I feel bad about it and I don't know what to do. I've been attracted to her sister since I first met her, really. One Christmas about five years ago, I even decided to not attend a family gathering because I felt distraught about it. I'm not a good liar, so it did eventually come out. My partner was very upset about that. 
perhaps because I wanted to make her feel better and perhaps because I was cowering a bit. In that conversation, I diluted my emotions and told her it was just that I thought her sister was attractive and that that was awkward for me. Nothing more than that. The reality is that when I spend time with the sister, I become increasingly infatuated with her over the few days we are together. I think she is an amazing, warm, fun, beautiful, and creative person. My partner and I visited her not too long ago. Since then, I've thought about her somewhat frequently and had a sex dream about her too. It's not a terrible infatuation, just a small, achy, crushy feeling, something I can live with and something that fades. But I feel terrible about it because I know it's how awkward and would make my partner feel terrible if I told her the true depth of my feelings. I don't know if I should talk to my partner about it or if the best thing to do is to keep doing what I'm doing, which is nothing besides being normal and respectful to her sister and to keep quiet to save my partner from a potentially really hard conversation. You should definitely tell your partner, your current girlfriend, how you feel about her sister. You should unpack that in great detail, the full depths of your feeling. You should tell your girlfriend all of that if you want your girlfriend to leave you, to dump you, which I guess would free you up if you were a monster to pursue her sister. And if her sister was likewise a monster and would be up for dating her sister's recent ex-boyfriend of nearly a decade, I don't think I'm going to go out on a limb here and guess that your girlfriend's sister wouldn't do that sort of thing to your girlfriend. And here's what you're not going to do to your girlfriend. I was obviously clearly want to make this a thousand percent abundantly clear I was being sarcastic. You should not tell your girlfriend how you feel about her sister any more than you've already told your girlfriend how you feel about her sister. And you were smart enough to minimize your feelings for her sister in those conversations. If you want to be with this woman, despite this attraction and this infatuation that you have with her sister, which I'm sure... A lot of people out there listening right now are thinking you're a jerk. I don't think you're a jerk. We don't choose who to have crushes on, who we're going to feel infatuated by. And sometimes those feelings take us by surprise and they're inconvenient. And what you don't do then is anything that's going to intensify those feelings. You say that if you don't hang out with the sister, it fades. Don't hang out with the sister. Don't put yourself in situations where you're with your girlfriend and her sister. Stay the fuck away from your girlfriend's sister if you want your girlfriend to continue to be your girlfriend. And it sounds like you do. And sometimes you got to do the loving thing and lie your fucking face off and not share with the person you care about most how you're feeling about something, particularly something like this. The loving thing to do here is to protect your girlfriend's feelings, to make her feel secure in this relationship by demonstrating that you have the emotional intelligence to minimize this, even if your girlfriend suspects you may be minimizing this, and the emotional intelligence not to put yourself in situations like hanging out with your girlfriend and her sister for a few days by yourselves, just the three of you, not to put yourself in those sorts of 
situations. If you want your long-term relationship to last, yeah, stay the fuck away from her sister. And you say that it fades when you're not in her sister's presence. Hopefully, in time, it will fade and fade and fade, and then you'll get together at Thanksgiving or Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever, and you'll be surprised that being in your girlfriend's sister's presence no longer has the same effect on you. That this crush, this infatuation, ran its course while you were doing the smart, considerate, loving thing. And one, keeping your fucking mouth shut. And two, staying the fuck away from your girlfriend's sister. Hey, Dan. I'm a 21-year-old trans man. I've been on T for almost a year and a half. And I primarily date cis gay men. It's not... I don't necessarily have a preference, but I just always end up dating cis gay guys. And I just wanted to know if, you know, with my current anatomy, I'm getting top surgery in about two months. And obviously I have not had bottom surgery yet. Like if I'm making like my boyfriends miss out on some sort of gay experience, everybody tells me they're fine. Everybody tells me your sex is great. I finger their ass, eat their ass. Obviously I can have like, they can have a ticket of any size whenever they want. I just want to know maybe I'm lacking somewhere or it might just be an interpersonal thing that I'm struggling with. I just really want to provide really good sex for my partner. I'm always super GGG and willing to try anything. And just, I don't know if me being trans limits me. I always had my partners reassure me, but I guess I just always want to make sure. Like recently, my partner, especially now that I get growth down there, he's able to like, like my dick now and fully put it in his mouth and he absolutely loves that what i've been doing now is that like i use both of my holes like right his dick and all that stuff but i don't know i just always want to make sure that i'm doing something right and i just want to know if maybe there's any tips or anything that i'm missing to be able to like provide my boyfriend who happens to be a bottom because i'm reverse with the experience that he's looking for. I just don't ever want to make anyone feel bad. What you really want to know is whether you're providing your boyfriend with fulfilling sexual experiences. I think the fact that your boyfriend is your boyfriend and that your boyfriend keeps coming back for more and that your boyfriend loves to bottom for you, loves to get fucked by you using a variety of different sizes of, I assume right now, strap-on toys that your boyfriend loves to suck your dick, your, you know, anatomy is changing because you're on T now and your uh, clitoral tissue is getting bigger, your clit's getting bigger, and now he's able to suck on that. Take the fucking yeses for an answer. He's there. He's there with his ass in the air for you. At a certain point, asking someone to reassure you about something when all the evidence is already present to reassure you you should be in complete assurance. You should be completely assured that he is attracted to you, that he's enjoying the sex. That's why he keeps showing up for it. Now, everyone has their insecurities. I think we're all allowed to sometimes ask our partners to accommodate, roll with our insecurities. Sometimes we have to ask for reassurance, even though we kind of know the answer. Sometimes we know the answer we're going to get, whether it's true or not. At a certain point, you know, the self-doubt can creep in where like maybe he's just telling me that the sex is great because that's what he would tell me. And 
yeah, okay, maybe that's why someone would tell you something. But there's also the showing up for the sex that he continues to do. There's the getting off on the sex that he continues to do. There's his excitement about being with you and bottoming for you. Those are answers too. And those are answers that I think you can believe. You know, if you're on top of this guy and you're fucking the shit out of him and he's hard and he's making out with you while you fuck him and sucking down your spit and he's so into you and it's clear, yeah, sometimes we ask our partners for reassurance. Sometimes we have to ask ourselves for reassurance. Sometimes we have to tell ourselves that our eyes aren't lying to us and that what we can see is true and he's there and he wants it and you can see it. And you don't want to be the kind of partner that drives somebody away by being insecure and needy and never reassured. Be reassured sometimes by him, most often by yourself. And it's great to be GGG. It's great to really want to meet somebody's needs. It's also great to clearly state what it is that you want. Are you getting what you want from the sex? Are there things that you're not doing with him that you'd like to do, like to explore? Are you taking your pleasure, not just giving pleasure? Because one of the headiest sort of reverse double backflip pleasures of sex is the pleasure of that you're providing someone, that you're giving that person. You're really tapped into that, it sounds like. You're giving your partner a lot of pleasure. Don't deny him the pleasure of you taking your pleasure from him. All right, before we get to this week's listener response calls and an extra little batch of listener response calls, a treat for our listeners, let's read some listener tweets, angry faggot tweets, evangelical furries, LOL, oh, at fake Dan Savage, this made my morning, hashtag Savage Lovecast. You're welcome, angry faggot, always happy to make your morning. Law talking guy tweets, I do wish that if fake Dan Savage is going to keep having sex negative writers on the Lovecast, he would start challenging their arguments more. This week's interview with Catherine D is chock full of baseless assumptions and fallacious reasoning, almost all unchallenged. Yeah, I didn't feel great about that conversation after the fact. I have to say, I will admit, I was thrown when D said she didn't actually hold any of these positions. Positions like, if you're into bondage, there's something wrong with you, unlike people into missionary position, vaginal intercourse. There's famously nothing wrong with straight men into vanilla sex ever. It actually felt a little bit like I couldn't argue with her without being rude since these weren't her positions. So what was she doing on my show talking about them? Not my best work as an interviewer. Sorry, I let you down. Michelle Renee tweets, hey, at fake Dan Savage for vulvas, flared base, not required. Best example, Benoit balls, no flared base, but I too wouldn't suggest food items. One quibble, Michelle, we were talking about insertables in that conversation. Insertables aren't actually inserted into vulvas. They're inserted into vaginas. Well, when vagina havers who are playing with insertables insert them, that's where they tend to go. And not all vulva havers have vaginas and not all vulva havers with or without vaginas who are playing with insertables or on the receiving end of the insertables being played with. Some are inserters, not insertees, but point well taken. All right, special treat. A few weeks ago, we took a call from someone who didn't think dirty talk sounded quite right in her native tongue. We asked our listeners out there who speak languages other than boring old English or boring modern American English to call in and share some dirty talk in your native tongues so we all could get a feel for how that shit sounds. Here are some 
of those calls. Chupame la verga. Quiero correrme adentro de tu culo. עכשיו תהיי ילדה טובה ותזחלי על הרצפה בשבילי. אני רוצה לראות את התחת היפה שלך ולשמוע אותך מתחננת שאזיין אותך, אכאיב לך. אדומי לימי, ליה גוויבמי, איקודו כופואלי, איפי מיד דגו, ביצי ביצי. אתני דלו יקדו, אוי כן, דלו יקדו. All right, thank you to everybody who posted to social media this week about the Savage Lovecast. We really appreciate it when you take to Twitter or Instagram or TikTok or Facebook and help spread the word about the Lovecast. All right, let's get to those listener response calls now. I'm sorry, Catherine D. Pick a lane. Either you're a journalist who's observing this counter-sexual movement or you yourself believe in the counter-sexual revolution. You can't be a journalist who maybe sort of has a little bit of a bias. That's not how that works. This is to the woman who was inviting men back to her apartment to make out and then feeling awkward if she didn't want to have sex with them and ask them to leave. The simple solution is meet somewhere else. Meet in a bar that has a booth where you can sit next to him and have a few drinks and you can make out there. And if you like him, then you can invite him back to your apartment. And if you don't particularly like him, You don't have to worry about asking him to leave because you can just leave. Hi, Dan. This is in reference to the caller in episode 826 who said her and her husband want to try for a kid. And he's having a bit of a hard time coming where he's not manually uh, intervening. Uh, my wife and I actually ran into the same issue when we wanted to try for a kid. And what we actually found is a pretty easy solution was whenever she was ovulating, like whenever we knew it was, during that week, she would be watching TV in the living room. I'd be in my office just doing whatever. And at some point, I would start watching porn. I would start, you know, jerking off. And when it was about time to come, when I was like almost there, I would just go into the living room and just let her know, hey, it's time. And she would turn around and drop her pants and we would just fuck right there on the on the couch. Uh, I would finish inside of her within, you know, a matter of seconds because I was like right there. And honestly, it was it was really great because it just it took the pressure off the whole situation. I was able to come inside of her and we were able to, to give it as many tries as we could. And uh, she also said she liked the idea of kind of being a cum dump. It was sort of a turn on for her as well. Her words, not mine. But as to whether or not it worked, we are expecting our first kid in about eight weeks. So good luck to that caller. And I hope everything goes well for you. And we're going to leave it. Got a question for next week's Lovecast or something to say about something I said on this week's Lovecast? Use the Voice Memo app on your phone to record a question or comment and email it to us at voicemail at savagelovecast.com. You can also call us at 206-302-2064. Sack Lunch, my monthly Zoom hangout exclusively for Magnum subs. It's this Thursday, September 1st, 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. We did it call-in style last time, and that was a ton of fun, so we'll be doing that again this time. You click a button, record your question, I answer it live, or we can chat about it together live if you're up for it. That's Sack Lunch, exclusively for Magnum Subs, this Thursday at noon. Be on the lookout in your email for the link Thursday morning. Hump, my dirty little film festival, is streaming our 2022 lineup every weekend through October 16th. Meanwhile, Hump 2022 will be live in theaters in nine cities across North America. And we've made the call for submissions for Hump 2023 officially. Go to humpfilmfest.com right now for all the info you need about streaming Hump at home, catching a Hump screening in a theater near you, and submitting a film 
to hunt. Follow me on Twitter at FakeDanSavage. Follow Eleanor Janaga on Twitter at GoingMedieval. And follow the tech savvy at RiskYouth on Twitter at LoveCast, T-S-A-R-Y. The Savage LoveCast is produced every week by Nancy Artunian and me and the tech savvy at RiskYouth and Nancy. We'll all be back at you next week for an installment of the Savage LoveCast. Thank you for downloading.